I would just tell you that if you've never heard the Crossroads Handbell Choir, it is beautiful. We had them late summer, early fall. Maybe it was earlier than that even. Time just flies by now. But um, I didn't do a very good job of, of publicizing it. Consequently, there weren't a lot of people here. I'm telling you, Crossroads Handbell Choir is cool. And uh, it would be a great thing for you to invite a friend to, maybe somebody that doesn't go to church. Uh, a lot of times if you can just get somebody on church property and get them to see that the walls don't fall down when they walk in, that's a good thing. And so we can demonstrate that we're architecturally sound for people when they walk in. Bring them to the handbell choir and, and they have a good night and they also find out that it's, we're okay. So um, do that. The 10th of December, the s- 6 o'clock is the, is the time that evening. You will not be sorry. That they're, they're tremendous. And then finally, I just want to give a plug for something that we do here. It's a, it's, a, it's a great ministry that we have here, and I like it because it's a ministry that extends into our community. It's called Kids Hope USA. What it is, is imagine this. The, the, the school system has invited churches in Vigo County to come in to send volunteers into their schools and mentor their kids. Can you believe that? That happens every week. Every week, we send volunteers from this school. Our school happens to be Terrytown Elementary, right across Cross Lane. Um, what what it, Kids Hope is all about, finding at-risk kids. The, the school system identifies at-risk kids, and then they extend an invitation to us and say, how many mentors can you send us to go in? And here's what happens. Every win- I'm a part of this ministry, and I'll just tell you from my perspective what happens for me. I'm, every Wednesday at 1.30, I go in and I talk, I spend an hour with my little guy, and his name is Keyboy, Keyboy Maloba. And if you've heard me, if you've been around me at all, you've heard me talk about Keyboy. I've been with him since he was in the first grade. He's in the third grade now. Just prior to my meeting him, his daddy had killed himself. And so I'm the only male influence that I know of that's, that's over the age of 20 in his life. I'm the only male model he's really got other than his principal at the school. And so once a week, I go in and I spend an hour with Keyboy. Now, Keeb's a little different than most because he's academically, he's doing fine. Uh, his vocabulary as a third grader would astound you. Just a couple of stories for you. Uh, one of the things I do is, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to do this, but I do it anyway. I, I smuggle in um, fix and mix Frosties in my kids hope bag and I don't let anybody see it and then we go to a corner somewhere and we get out the frosties and we eat them real quick before anybody catches us but but while we're doing that don't don't tell anybody I do that now you get me in trouble but but while I'm doing that we'll talk and I'll just ask him how things are going at home he just he spent some time in foster care recently and he just come back home and it's just these kids need us the school system needs us to help but the story I was going to tell you is we were we were just playing I was I was trying to I'll ask him to spell things and so I said, hey, Keyboy, spell, um, now he's in third grade, remember. I said, spell gymnasium. Now, gymnasium is not his spelling word for the week or anything like that, okay? So it's not like he's been practicing this word. This was out of the blue. Hey, Keep, spell gymnasium for me. He nailed it. So then I, I said, hey, spell another word. I can't, I'm just looking for things in the school, you know, long words. And, and he, he nailed the next word. I can't remember what it was. Then I think I asked him to spell supernatural. And he chuckled and he said, ha, ha my nemesis now how many third graders you know <laughs> uses the word nemesis in a sentence and then later i asked him a question and he didn't want to answer it so the way he he said he chuckled and he said my friend that is classified information so every week i have a great time with keyboy now we need more mentors to go into the school system right now 
Terrytown is in the process, teachers and principal are in the process of identifying more students for us to be able to go in and have an impact on. Now, I, I can't go in and tell Keyboy about Jesus. I can't go talk about God. I can't do anything like that. But I can go and build a relationship with him. And I can go and try to forge a relationship with his family in the hopes that one day I can get him off campus where I can tell him about Jesus and I can bring him to church and I, I can do some of the things that I really want to do that I know will improve his life and give him the joy that I know that he needs. So if that's something that you could do i mean it's you don't have we'll train you to do it there's a little training you go through but really we just need volunteers we need people that are willing to go in and do that how long do you think the school system is going to throw their arms open to the church to let us go in like this it's a huge opportunity for us we mustn't miss it and so if you think you would be interested in that contact me let somebody know at the at the coffee house or the bookstore the, the the welcome center call parley in the office but but let's let's supply them with all the mentors that they need this is a very valuable ministry that's all i'm going to say about that i must move on um i i told you last week in this hour i don't think i did this in the first service but i told you last week in the first in the second hour that i that i remember me making the mistake about the worst and the worst and the best and that ladies were coming out afterward and saying brett your only mistake is that you think that you made a mistake i guess it was right on there and i didn't realize anyway i blame that on having been at an elders retreat uh last weekend i was i had been asked by a good friend of mine who was an elder at another church to come and help their elders uh just kind of get some some bearings and and get some things straightened out and so i went and spent the evening with them and all of all of saturday day and we talked about what's going on in their church and and vision and and leadership and all kinds of stuff like that and um, how to make a church effective and and this church was struggling and one of the things that i found out as i talked to them was they really did not have a crystal clear vision about where they were going i asked the different elders and I, I gave them a sheet and asked them to fill out some information for me and when i got that back every elder when i asked the question what is the vision of your church every answer was different now if i were to give a, not just our elders but to you if i were to give a sheet of paper to you we we're going to take a pop quiz this morning and, and I was going to ask you one question, and the, and the question was, what is the mission statement of the Crossland Community Church? How many of you think you would get an A on that test? Let me see. Is there any doubt what the vision statement of this church is? Is there any doubt? But yet, when I asked these elders, what's the vision of your church? I got six different answers back. It should have all said the same thing. I, I'm pretty confident that all of you who raised your hands, that if you were going to write it down, they would all come back the exact same word say it with me our vision statement is bringing people to jesus isn't that simple isn't that clear that's where we're going that's what we're about we don't deviate from that that's who we are we're a church that brings people to jesus when you go on vacation and i told these guys i said listen when you go on vacation what's the first thing somebody asks you they ask you where are you going how weird does it sound if when we tell somebody we're going on vacation they ask us where we're going we say i don't know I mean, one of these days, I would love to take a vacation with Myra. We would never do this with the kids because can you imagine how miserable it would be to go on vacation with no destination? But wouldn't you love to do that one time, just get in the car and start driving wherever you just decide to go? We may go north, we may go west. Now, one day, I hope to do a vacation like that where we just, there's no deadlines, there's no, we're just going to go see what we see. But by and large, when we go on vacation, we know where we're going. We have a vision for that vacation. We know what's going to be there when we get there. We know what the hotel's like. We know what the attractions are. We have a vision for what we want, for what we want our vacation to be. Uh, many of you built houses when we built this church 
especially this part here that I was for, here for, we didn't do that without coming up with a plan. We actually went out and hired a, an artist to draw up what it's going to look like when it's finished so that we would have a vision of what this place would look like when it was all said and done. When you renovate your house, you have a vision for what's going on in your house. You know what you want it to look like. Vision is crucial to anything that you want to get done. I love to visit different churches. I, I just I love to go in and, and talk to church leaders. I like, to, I like to learn from church leaders. I like to hear what they're doing, how they're doing it, what their challenges are, how they've overcome those challenges, how they handle staff, how they handle um, ministry stuff, how, you know, how, the, how traffic flow happens, what their stage looks like, anything having to do with church. I love to go in. You know, you go to a wedding, you're looking at the dress, you're looking at all that kind of stuff. I'm looking at the tiles in the ceiling. I wonder where they got those and how they light the thing up and what the sound system sounds like. That's, that's what the kind of stuff I'm doing. I love to go to churches and see that kind of stuff. I have been to some great churches in my lifetime. I grew up in a church that, that has become just a, a wonderful church. Just let me tell you a little bit about it. It was the first church of Christ in Florence, Kentucky. And when my family moved to Florence, Kentucky in 1972, Florence was the fastest growing city in the nation. It had the, the, the best rated industrial park in the nation. It was rated as one of the cleanest industrial parks in the country. And as Florence grew, this church was primed and ready and had leadership in place with a vision, very important, ready to grow with the city. When I went to that church in 1972, the size of the First Church of Christ in Florence, Kentucky was exactly the size of our church right now. Today, in their services this morning and probably last night, I imagine they had some services last night, and they'll probably have three services today, they will have run through that place by the time they're done, 2,500 people, okay? We go to Atlanta, Georgia quite often. I've been to several really good churches in Atlanta, Georgia. The North Point Community Church is down there. We're modeled. A lot of the stuff we do is modeled right after the North Point Community Church. Um, Let me tell you a little bit about them. They have three campuses. They have a main campus, which is the North Point campus. Then they have a church in Buckhead, Buckhead, and then they have another one. I can't remember the name. Something. Browns Bridge, I think. Two of these places don't have a live preacher on Sunday morning. Now, let me add it to that. They have a main auditorium, and then they have a mirrored auditorium behind the main auditorium, and there's only one preacher that preaches to the mirrored auditorium, the main auditorium, and the two satellite campuses. Do you know how they do it? They have high-def video cameras and screens they bring this screen down in the other places you go in and you watch a high def projected image of the preacher preaching from another location and that's that's your preacher now you hear that and you think i wouldn't want to go to a church like that well apparently some people do because their plant church their satellite church last weekend had 2500 people in it the main campus will have somewhere between 18 and 20,000 people go through there this weekend alone tremendous church just listen that takes vision to be able to do something like that Um, the southeast christian church in louisville kentucky if you've ever driven by there you know it's a huge building just 9100 seat auditorium five stories high okay that's unbelievable they'll have twenty thousand people go through there this weekend Now, just to show you that you don't have to be a big church to be a great church, one of the greatest churches I've ever been in was a little church in Nashville, inner city Nashville, Tennessee, a little church called the the Spruce Street Baptist Church. It was an all-black congregation in downtown Nashville, and we took the youth group there about five, it had to have been, Trace, how long? Eight, nine years ago, probably. 
best experience of my life. I, I had an absolute ball going to church with those people. They were a great church, but they had vision. There was a church in Atlanta called Perimeter Church, a facility just a, a magnificent facility everything about their facility would just floored me how excellently done it was we went to a leadership summit there about six seven years ago just a tremendous place we went to a concert one time while we were in atlanta at a church called the church of the apostles the most beautiful church building i think i've ever been in a sound system unlike anything i've ever heard anywhere we heard a concert there best sound for a concert i think i've ever heard there are some tremendous churches. East 91st Street in Indianapolis. Maybe you've heard of that church. It's a tremendous church doing great things. On the, on the, I'm not sure exactly where it is, but it's in Indianapolis. Let's just stop there. None of these churches became great churches, and I just listed a handful of them. There are gobs of great churches across this nation and around the world. None of those churches get to be great churches without vision. A great church reaches into its community and it has vision i went to a church recently uh, let, i want to tell you a little bit about this church they, they had a great name in their community they 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 have first-rate facilities they're not extravagant facilities but they're excellent facilities their auditorium is comfortable and inviting you walk in it's just it's a place that you want to be it's spacious and it allows for the creativity of of uh, the church to be realized they have a gym and their gym is not just built for their people. It's, a, it's truly an outreach thing that they, they want to reach the whole community, and they use it in that way. Uh, their building teamed with life. There are people coming and going all the time. The building's constantly in use. People are happy to see each other. It's just a, it's a glorious place to be. They, they had a, a competent staff. Their staff got along. They, they, you know, they, they're staffed ahead of their need. They, they, they anticipate what's going to happen, and they put, put staff in place to, to get ready for it. The, the youth pastor is totally committed to what he's doing uh, to disciple kids the children's pastor is is infectious and and magnetic and just kids just gravitate to that person and the tech staff was innovative There's, the only thing that was that limited the tech staff was the imaginations of the people around them if, if it could be imagined the tech staff could easily pull that off they had great ministries youth ministry was rocking children's ministry was basically responsible for some of the growth of the church um, they had a cars ministry get this where they literally you know when you trade in a car uh, you might trade in your car and it might be worth, you know, I don't know, four or $5,000. Some people are able, not everybody's able to do this, but some people are able to just donate that car to the church. The church takes the car, fixes it up, fixes it up makes sure it's sound. They spruce it up real good. Then they put it in the hands of a single mom and say, here you go. We know you need a car. We want to be the one that provides a car for you. That's cool. I don't care how you slice it. That's cool. Can you imagine a bunch of kids pulling up and, a, and mom in a car that's just about to fall apart and you trade her, you swap her out and you give her this car that's really sound and ready for, got lots of miles left in it. Um, they had a career, terrain, uh, career training ministry. They really were trying to reach into their community and teach people how to, how to do a job interview, how to, how to do specific tasks, maybe how to type or, or, or do computer stuff or whatever. They had an outreach through athletics. They realized that that the community that we the culture that we're in is is really driven a lot by uh sporting events and and athletics is a big part of the fiber of our culture and so they were taking advantage of that and weight loss clinics they had debt uh counseling stuff um the people in the community you know that, that were, that were, you might have cases where people that didn't even go to church there would stop there at their little coffee thing and two friends might gather there they'd say hey let's meet at that church and 
and let's have coffee together. Or a business guy would, might stop in and get out his laptop and have his coffee and take advantage of the wireless hotspot they had to offer. I mean, they, this church was really trying to do everything that they could do to reach their community and their culture. And, and what, you know, they had people in their congregation that were generous, both personally and corporately. When they came together, you know, that church just gave and they, they met needs and they were able to do the things God called them to do. They understood that money wasn't an issue. Um, you know, that, that they understood that the connection between honoring God and your pocketbook is a real connection. They, they did that. They gave away thousands of dollars to missions every year. They sent people on mission trips. And when people would go on these mission trips, their lives literally changed as they were taking these trips. Sundays, you know, people were coming to church at that place on Sundays. And, and it's, it's, it's electric. It's exciting. People want to be there. It's, it's, God is is exalted christ is lifted up and people are are surrounded by love and care and it's just a tremendous place it is the kind of church that if it were to blow up today and be obliterated and not be on the face of the earth anymore it's the kind of church that if it weren't there it would devastate that community the community would not know what to do what happened to our church that that church has become such a part of my life and now it's gone what am i going to do Churches like that don't happen by accident. Churches like that happen because they have vision. People purpose it to be that way. Vision is a powerful, powerful thing. In history, great leaders have been able to come to bear on history because of the vision that they had. I just want to highlight a couple of those for you. One of them is is Nelson Mandela, who is largely credited with the uh, abolition of apartheid. Apartheid was a, was a terrible thing. It should have, ne- should have never happened. And Nelson Mandela worked to see to it that it, it, that it went away. Listen to what he said uh, about apartheid. Ending apartheid is a cause for which I will gladly invest every day of my life in a purpose for which I am fully prepared to die. You have a guy like that in charge of something, you're going to see results. That's a person with vision. We... we we honor John F. Kennedy in this uh, country, and I believe it was his, his inaugural address, was it not, when he stood up and told America that we are going to the moon, and then he called, wasn't that his inaugural address? It was, help me, somebody, wasn't it? And he said, we're weak purpose to do the hard things, and he called America to do the hard things, and sadly, we didn't get to see all of the, the ways that John F. Kennedy would be able to lead us with the vision that he had. It would have been interesting to have seen that. One of my favorite people to listen to speak, and as a public speaker, you can imagine, I like to listen to speakers. Um, I, you know, some people get bored by speeches. I love listening to speeches and sermons and things. One of my favorite speakers is Dr. Martin Luther King. I, I only wish, in my dreams, can I talk with the intelligence and the passion that Dr. Martin Luther King uh, used when he, when he spoke. But um, I was looking for his sermons online, or his, his speeches online, and I came across a gold mine, a literal gold mine. If you, if you like that kind of thing, I found a website, um, AmericanRhetoric.com, I think was the name of it, the top 100 speeches given by Americans. What do you think the number one speech was on that list? I have a dream. And, and I was going to play it for you this morning in, in the interest of time, and, and I just wasn't able to... I thought I had it ready, and I don't. But I want to read to you the, the, the section that you probably could quote from memory. But I just want us to hear it again, because on August 28, 1963, he said this, 
And, and it just, every time I hear it, and especially, I sat and listened to this whole uh, speech yesterday and got goosebumps. I literally sat in my chair and closed my eyes and imagined being there, and I thought, what would it have been like to have been there? Listen to what he said. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. The only way they were able to shut Martin Luther King up was to eventually kill him. Much of the civil rights movement was driven by Martin Luther King, and many of the advancements that happened happened as a result of the sacrifices that he made. He was fearless. He had a vision, and he was fearless in the pursuit of that vision. I want to spend a little time this morning talking to you about Cross Lane and the vision that we have uh, around here. Um, you say, how does a church develop vision? I mean, where does vision come from? Uh, does the preacher come up with it? Who decides what particular direction we're going to pursue and, and what's best for the church? How does a church know what vision is? Where does, it, where does it come from? Those are some great questions, and I want to try and answer some of them before we get started this morning. The answer is vision comes from the passions of the church. You identify passions by pinpointing and paying attention to the things that continually come up in your conversations. The staff and I often get together and we, we have lunch together, we sit, we talk a lot together, we dream a lot about what could be. Those passions as they come up, we identify those and those become vision. Uh, as the elders and, and the staff come together for elders meetings, we talk about, we think about, we dream about the same things. And as those same things keep coming up, we identify those and we say, you know what, we think that's the vision that God is giving our church. We want to pursue those things. When I'm with you at different times, we go to lunch or we're talking in the lobby or we're in my office. A lot of times when we talk about Cross Lane, there's certain themes that keep coming up. We, we harness those things and we say, you know what, that's what we want to be about as a church they they kind of fold into being part of our vision and and i i read and learn a, a lot from some very effective churches and effective church leaders and just not even church leaders but just business people and and leaders in general i'm always interested in what leaders have to say and i i am exposed to some very innovative thinkers some very godly uh, men and women people that just are able to speak into my life and when that happens vision is birthed in me and so you take all that together and you say well where does vision come from it really comes from us. It comes from us identifying what it is that God's calling us to. And collectively, these things make up the vision that I want to share with you this morning. Now, I have to give you a couple of cautions before we get into this. I don't know how many of you went to college, or maybe wait, this is our second hour, and a lot of our college kids are with us now. And they, they, I'm going to say this. They're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. The worst day in college life for me was syllabus day. I hate syllabus day. If you've never experience that let me tell you what it is syllabus day is is the first day of class for every class that you have when you're in college and as you go through like if you have classes on monday wednesday and, and friday um and you'll say you were going to say uh, school start on tuesday so your first day of classes on wednesday you're going to go to all your classes every class you walk into uh, at my Bible college, at my college, the first thing that happened was the professor prayed, which was kind of cool. And then after that, he reached into his pack, or she reached into her pack, and she pulled out all of the syllabi for the students, and she would hand those out to us. And she would begin to walk us through, and we would begin to see what was going to be required of us in that class, how many papers we were going to have to write, research things, how many books had to be read, what the page numbers were, how many tests we were going to take, any special projects and assignments that we had to have. The syllabus told us all those things. And so as we would go through all the classes of the, of the day, if you had four classes in that day, you had four syllabi at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, you'd sit down on your bed. I remember doing this, sitting down on my bed, 
going through looking at all the stuff that I was going to have to do. And your mind says, you've got to get all this done right now. And when you think that way, you think, I, there's no way. I can't do it. I, there's just no way. I don't have enough time. And so I would look at my roommate and I'd say, Kent, there's no way I'm going to be able to do all this. He'd say, Brett, you've got a whole semester. And so when you think about vision, when I'm going to cast vision for us this morning, you'd have to remember this is kind of like syllabus day, okay? We're not going to do all this tomorrow. We don't have to raise all this money right up front. This is a process that we're going to enter into. Now, having said that, let me give you a second caution. If you are a visitor with us today, we're coming up into a part of this talk where I'm going to talk a little bit about money. I want to talk specifically to the visitors in the room this morning. If you're a visitor with us and, and you're just visiting Cross Lane and Cross Lane, you would say Cross Lane is not my church home and I'm not sure I'm going to go here all the time, then I'm not talking to you this morning. You're welcome to be here. In fact, it might be really good for you to be here because you're going to find the heartbeat of our church this morning. You're going to know what we're about this morning and you're going to know where we're headed at the end of the day. But when I talk about money, know this. As a visitor, I expect not a penny from you this isn't about you and your money so don't think oh i went to church and the preacher's asking me for money already no i'm not okay now even as i say that the home folk are saying but he is going to talk about money he, he is isn't he yeah he is he is so just bear with me now let, let me just give you some cautions about vision before we get started and i'm talking about god-given vision there are businesses you know lily pfizer big businesses they've got a vision for what they want to do with their company any good company has a vision for what they want to see happen but I don't know that if you asked the president of, of Lilly, is your vision a God-given vision? He probably would say, no, it's not a God thing. We're just trying to lead our, our people. I'm talking about God-given, God-directed vision, okay? So I want to give you some things to, to understand about vision from, uh, from the perspective of God when he gives it. First of all, a God-given vision is always given for God's glory and no one else's. That's the first thing you have to understand. All the stuff that we're pointing to this morning and all the things that you're going to hear, please know this. When you hear those things, it's not Brett and it's not the staff and it's not the elders saying, we want to be, you know, ex-church known for all this stuff so we can beat our breasts and everybody can know what a great church we are. Wrong. We want this vision to come to fruition because we believe that as we achieve this vision, as God helps us achieve this vision, he's going to get glory. That's number one you have to understand. Number two, the vision is always bigger than any individual or group's ability to realize it on their own. In other words, we're not going to do this by ourselves. I'm going to cast vision. You're going to hear it and go, wow, we're really going to do that? The answer is no, we're really not going to do that. God is going to come behind us. God is going to help us get this stuff done. If you've got a vision and you think you can do it all by yourself, why does God even need to show up? And let me ask you this question. Do you really want to go to a church where God isn't invited to come show himself and, and let us see what great things he can do? This church is about leaning heavily into the breast of God and saying, God, we need you to be here. We need you to show up. And this stuff that we're casting vision for, we realize that on our own, there is absolutely no way we're going to be able to accomplish it. Number three, all God-given vision will have detractors understand that there are some people that are going to sit in here this morning as i talk about this stuff and as i talk about the vision and the direction we're going somebody's going to say they ain't going to be able to do that I, that boy's crazy if he thinks he's going to be able to get any of that stuff done that church has lost its mind did you hear what stuff they're talking about there's always going to be a detractor to god-given vision there will always be somebody who wants to stand up and say you can't do that 
The answer to that is, you're exactly right. We can't do it. Like I said in point two, God can. With every vision, there's always this little secret self-doubt too. I'll, be, I'll, I'll confess to you. As I've prayed over this stuff and as I've gotten ready to do some of this stuff and as I see where I think God's really leading us, some of the conversations I've had is, God, I don't know. I, I mean, I know you're big, but I don't know if we can, if we can, can we really do that? Are we, are we going to be able to pull this off? There's always that secret nagging thing. People who accomplish great things in history and in churches and in life, they've all heard that voice and they've overcome it. So we've got to overcome it. Number four, vision is always realized by people or groups who are, are willing to say yes to what before they know the how. That's key. We learned that when we went through the Nehemiah series. We have to be willing to say yes to what before we know the how. In other words, God wants us to write a check to him out of the bank account of our life, and he wants that check to be blank. In other words, he wants the answer to him always to be yes before we even know what the question is. Can you say that of your life right now where God's concerned? That when God said, hey, this is what I want from you, whatever it is that you're willing to say yes, God whatever you want to ask of me i'll i'm saying yes on the front end you just tell me what it is and i'll do it that's what god wants from us now i want to give you a vision today a vision that covers decades this isn't just a one or two year deal this is where we want to go over the next decade or so more than that probably Uh, i'm not going to get too deep into the whole 20 years from now thing but i think you'll you'll pick up on it it is a vision that will absolutely not happen unless we are willing to say yes to the what before we know the how that's key we got to be willing to say yes to what before we know the how because only then does god know he's dealing with a group of people who have total faith and trust in him so we got to lean into the breast of god first second thing is it's not going to happen unless god shows up to make it happen we recognize that as a church we recognize that as a leadership as a, as a staff and as elders quite simply our vision is so much bigger than us that when it happens there will be no doubt that god has done an unbelievable thing among us and we will look back and we will say like we already do i mean there are things that happen around here now that six seven eight years ago were just dreams and and if you'd asked me i would have said there is absolutely no way we're ever going to be able to do that and and every now and then i'll just stop i'll look over my shoulder and i'll look heavenward and i'll say god you are so good i mean you, you 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 just you did it you did it i remember the day i walked in and the band was on the stage for the first time we had so wanted that. We would needed the musicians. We wanted uh, to have this vibrant worship experience. And I remember walking in those doors back there, listening to the band practice one morning, and God stopped me in my tracks. And he said, see, I told you. I told you I'd do it. You've got to believe in me. You've got to trust me. You've got to know that I'm going to do this stuff. Here's what our envision involves. First of all, it involves land. Some of the, you, you look around and you say, well, we got all kinds of land. Listen, we're talking about decades now. We're talking about where we want to be years from now. And where we want to be years from now, we need more land. We've got our eyes on different things. And so if you hear us talking about acquiring a piece of property or, or going after a specific thing, just know that that's, that's something that we've been talking about for a long time. Secondly, it involves facilities. It involves at least two buildings, probably more, but at least two. Um, again, you're hearing that and you think, man, how in the world... I'm telling you, you've got to have a vision. You've got to have a dream, and it's got to be bigger than you, and it's got to be bigger than our church. We, we, it's going to involve staff. Successful churches always staff ahead of their need. Okay, understand that. Successful churches anticipate what's coming, and they put staff in place to develop and be ready for the things that happen, and when they happen, they're ready for it. And then it's going to involve ministries, innovative and creative ministries. 
In August of this year, our staff and our elders got together for what has now become a semi-annual retreat. We will do one in August and one in March. We're going to try and do that every year, one in August and one in March. And um, it was just a, it was a glorious time. All of us together, it was just a it was a lot of fun. It was, it was exciting. It was, it was invigorating to be around men who have a passion for God and a passion for Cross Lane, and you put that together. It's just this wonderful time. And while I'm at it, just let me stop long enough to just tell you a little bit about your elders, okay? You need to know that you, your elders are men of prayer. You need to know that your elders uh, are completely sold out with their, their mind, body, soul, and wallets to this church. Uh, the sacrifices that they have made that I have personally seen them make behind the scenes that no one else ever knows about, you need to know that those kind of things happen. You need to know that when we come into an elders meeting, the first thing that happens at every elders meeting, the first half hour of our elders meeting, every elders meeting, without exception, we never deviate from this, we spend the first half hour praying over lost people. We pray for them by name. Some of those people we've been praying for for years we are not giving up on them. We believe that one day, in some way, God is going to give influence to us in that person's life, and we're going to be able to connect with them and share with them how much Jesus loves them. We pray for them all the time. There are people in this room right now who have spent time on that list who are Christians today, and I believe it's partly because our elders have taken the time to pray for them and literally pray them into the kingdom. You have no idea what a humbling, beautiful thing it is for me to be able to bow my head and have elders put their hands on me and pray for me to lift me up before God and say God protect this man help this man help him lead our church help him give him the words to say help him to not be tired then after the prayers are over to look me in the eye and say are you going home at night are you spending enough time at home are you are, have you have you been putting too much time have you been, are you traveling too much and you just scale back a little bit to hold me accountable to ask me some tough questions when I come in with some harebrained idea I mean their their job really they've said many times we want to say yes to you we you know when you bring things to us we want to say yes but occasionally they have to say whoa what are you thinking where are you going with that and they'll rein me in because I'll, I'll kind of get ahead sometimes and they'll say no 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 <laughs> silly boy come on back to, to the rest of us um, wonderful men and you need to know that about your elders and one of these days I'm going to just stand them up and introduce them to you because I think a lot of you don't even know who they are so we're we're going to change that I had a visitor say I don't even know who they are so we're going to we're going to change that um, but at the elders retreat we began the process of kind of laying out a timeline for some of these things and and putting our vision to a timeline and saying when do we expect some of these things to happen now as you might imagine putting a timeline on something is a lot easier the closer you are to the present so in other words i can tell you a lot with a lot more certainty where what's going to happen a year from now or six months from now than i can tell you what's going to happen five or ten years from now but but uh we've prayed about this stuff and we we're pretty committed to seeing these things happen um I must tell you, it felt really good to finally put this stuff down on a timeline and say, we're going to quit messing around and we're going to go after some of it. Here's where we're going. Number one, the first thing that we have to do is we need to eliminate the mortgage on the building that we've got here. That's job one. That, that's the very first step to everything that we want to do. We owe approximately, uh, some, give or take a, a couple $3,000, we owe somewhere in the neighborhood of $250,000 on the building basically that you walk into when you come here this building was here but five years ago four years ago we built this addition and and we still owe money on it and we've just decided that before we go any farther we're going to get rid of that mortgage um, now is that the same thing as saying that we're going to we've committed to be a debt-free church no i'm not telling you that we're always going to be a debt-free church 
but we do want to eliminate that debt right now because we, we think that we should. Um, we want to pay it off by the end of next year. And we will do that. We will begin with a special offering and mark this down somewhere in your calendars or somewhere, the, de- the 17th of December. And somebody says, man, that's right around Christmas time. I know. I know. December 17th, we're going to collect a special offering. It's going to be the very first of the first steps offering. And we will collect money all through next year. That's going to be our driving force. And again, when I talk about giving, understand, I'm not talking about you know, using some of your tithe for this. I'm talking about over and above. I'm talking about sacrifice time. I'm talking about stepping up. Now, um, j- guys, just for the sake of the visitors in the room, just so that we can establish this whole thing, if you're a regular attender at this church, would you raise your hand if you agree with this statement? Brett does not talk a lot about money in the services on Sunday morning. You see that? I don't ever want to become a, a, a pastor that makes it look like I'm after your money. But I know this. I know that when God gives vision, it usually costs something. It's going to cost our time. It's going to cost our money. And, and we start first steps with this offering on the 17th of December. So begin to pray about what your family and your finances are going to look like and how we're going to impact that. You say, is there a goal for that offering? No, there is no goal. The goal is that we just want to knock it out. We just want to start with a huge amount of money to say, this is going to all go to getting rid of that debt and, and we're just going to go from there. And so by the end of 07, we want to have that completely gone. Now, that, doesn't, that sounds a little tougher than it actually is because you need to know this. Um, we found out about a year ago that we're paying, um, that our, our interest rate had gone down and that we could save pretty fair chunk of change if we just eliminated, if we stopped paying quite so much and just paid what the bank wanted us to, to give. What do you think our answer to that was? no 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 we kept giving the same amount of money and we've continued to give the same amount and we will continue to give the same amount and so by the end of next year with that going on and with what we plan to do through the course of 2007 with the first steps campaign by the end of 2007 i I think it's just it's a slam dunk that this is going to be eliminated but we have to purpose to do that together again it takes vision Um, once we get that taken care of once we take that first step and raise that money and eliminate that debt and get rid of the mortgage, then we are positioned to do some of the other things that we want to do. The next step for us is that we will add staff. We will add a staff person. Now, I'm going to have to spend a little time talking to you about that because I don't think, I think as I say that, you're thinking, we don't need another staff person. Keep this in mind. Great churches, churches of vision, always staff ahead of their need. Now, even as I say that, I'm telling you that the staff person I want to add at the end of 2007, this would really be the beginning of 2008, that staff person really needs to be here right now. Should have been here five years ago, but, but we just haven't been able to do it. We're, we're coming out of the box and we're saying today, we're going to add that, fifth, that fourth staff person. Here's what his job title is going to be. He is going to be an administrative or an executive pastor. Now, I can name for you probably three other kinds of pastors that we could use. We, we could use a children's pastor. I could, we could use a, a, an audiovisual guy that does all of our technical audiovisual stuff. It's a miracle that we get the stuff done we do. We have great technical people. But you know what I've learned about great technical people? Somebody pays them money to do all their technical stuff, and they're busy. And so we, we'd love to have somebody that did that full time, but we, we're not, that's, not, that's not as big a deal right now as the administrative executive pastor. Um, I'm getting lost. As I talk about this pastor, 
I understand that unless you are intimately involved with Cross Lane, quite honestly, you can't appreciate everything that it takes to make this place go day in and day out, week in and week out, unless you are in the office and around a lot. And if you're in the offices and around a lot, you would see this need and you'd say, absolutely. In fact, when I talk to certain ones, we go to lunch and they are, they're connected to what's going on here. They'll, they'll, and when I've talked to them about that, this, they say, oh, I can easily, I can easily see that. Um, we have three pastors here at Cross Lane, and they work incredibly hard. One of the questions is, do we really need another one? Couldn't we just break off some of this for one of them? And don't we have, uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I've, I can imagine somebody saying, I'm looking at all three of the ones we got and can't imagine any one of them needing to work full-time. I mean, I, I, I hear comments like that. I've had people say, are you, are you full-time at Cross Lane? <laughs> yeah. I am, and so is Kyle, and so is Ryan, and I want to tell you a little bit about them. Ryan is our youth pastor, and right now, Ryan is with three of our kids at a conference, at a youth ministry thing. One of those kids is my son, and Ryan is pouring himself into those kids. He's trying to expose them to something, give them a bigger vision for their life, trying to show them what could be for their life, and he's spending time, and he's discipling those kids. He's pouring himself into them. And while he's doing it, he's away from his family. He will have been gone from his family for about four or five days by the time it's all said and done. In August, he was with me at the leadership summit. He was gone two or three, four days from his family. A month ago, he was at Catalyst with me, away from his family, learning how to be a better leader. Three weeks ago, he took several of our youth coaches to an all-day training event over in Indianapolis. It takes time for him to plan that stuff. He has to put all that together. He has to go. He has to cast vision for his team. He needs to, you know, he's got to pour into them. Two weeks ago, he took our senior high school kids to Johnson Bible College in Knoxville, Tennessee. That is not an easy trip. He comes back from something like that. He's worn out. And then he's, he's expected to come in and do his daily stuff through the week. He, he's a Kids Hope USA mentor. He's, uh, he's involved with the Crisis Pregnancy Center. He goes into uh, junior high schools and talks to junior high boys about uh, sexual abstinence. He oversees our, our youth ministry department from nursery all the way through the 12th grade. He... Um, he, he has a, a rock group discipling ministry, which is very intense, takes a lot of time. Um, he has to prepare at least two lessons a week, uh, sometimes more. Uh, he, right now, we're requiring him to take some more courses. As you know, Ryan doesn't have a Bible college education, was not really formally prepared for ministry, and, and, and so some of the stuff he's trying, trying to do on the back end, so he takes correspondence courses through Johnson Bible College, and he has to spend time each week getting all that stuff ready. That is not easy, let me tell you. There's a lot of reading involved in that. Right now, he's studying a, a course. You ready for this? A course called Restoration History. Does that sound like exciting? You, you, want, you want the address to the place so you can get a copy of it and do the thing? Um, he has an hour and a half to two hour staff meeting with me every week that we're generally out of that meeting. He's going to get other stuff that I break off for him to do. He is an invaluable resource to our team. The lobby that we are all enjoying so much, Ryan had a large part of seeing that come to reality. When we were talking about all that, Ryan and Kyle said, what's keeping us from doing that? I said, honestly, I, I, I don't have the time to drive it. Ryan said, Ryan and Kyle said, we'll do it. And they're the ones that really drove that. I always chuckle. I did when I was a youth pastor, and I do now. Whenever somebody comes up to me and says, you know, does Ryan really need to be full-time? <laughs> the naivety and the, the misinformation in that question just astounds me. Yes, he needs to be full-time. He, he works hard. There's a lot of stuff that goes into doing this, and people th look at it and say, well, I'd like to have a job like that. Uh, you know, we really do work more than one day a week is what I'm trying to say. Um, Kyle Nelson serves as our worship pastor. 
our our uh, small groups guy and our our college outreach ministry he's a he is irreplaceable to cross lane and i have said uh many times that he is the best decision that we have decided we have made in the last uh six seven years around here he's often the first of the pastors to get to the office he's often the last one to leave he puts in an incredible amount of hours each ministry that he oversees has flourished since he's put his hand to it when he came we handed him the small groups ministry it has flourished under him our small groups are stronger and better now than they ever have been if you're plugged into a small group and developing relationships you can attest to the value of that ministry you have in large part uh, kyle to thank because that ministry is going as well as it does he stands up here on this stage and you see him play the guitar and sing it's so much more than that he he i wish you could be here to see him practice with his team wish you could be here to, to hear him cast vision and lead them his team would walk through fire for him because he's such a good leader and he does such a good job um, with rehearsals each week and he brings an excellence and a craftsmanship and an artistry to all this and you're just going to continue to see him grow and get better he has a huge ministry to our college students under his watch care we our college uh, age uh, attendance has probably increased by five or six times what it was before he started doing this he has an, uh, an unbelievable relationship with the kids in the college age group they love him uh, he loves them there's a real love affair there they, he's just a wonderful thing happening kyle's duties now i want you to understand this before we even start the week today understand that this week kyle nelson has four nights taken this isn't a special week this isn't you know heavier meetings four nights of kyle's week right off the bat gone to get ready for a lot of those meetings he has to work and plan and get ready he's got pastoral things that have to happen um, you have no idea how hard he works and it's a, it, one of the joys of my life is to sit in my office our offices are right next to one another i can hear him in there playing i can hear him playing hearing how certain things sound how one song goes into another he thinks about what i'm going to say and he tries to come up with songs that will speak into what i'm saying so that it all piggybacks on top of it um a lot of people think kyle just stands up here on sunday and you know plays his guitar a little bit and isn't that nice um you're so sadly mistaken if you think that that's what's going on he he meets with people through the week to pour into them he's trying to teach them not only how to play better but he's trying to teach them about worship what worship is about he's trying to help them to understand that that uh, you know worship is so much more than just playing music for some people to sing but it is an incredible privilege and opportunity and responsibility and must be carried out by humble worshipers and if you know kyle you know he is a humble worshiper on top of all that he is probably my dearest friend and probably my tr most trusted uh, advisor and and a, a resource that i simply cannot imagine not having at my disposal and i, I tease him all the time i say don't you leave me don't you leave me and he well, he gets mad at me but i'm serious about that I, I can't imagine what we would be like if kyle wasn't here he's he's irreplaceable oh yeah in case you haven't noticed stephanie's expecting okay so that's about to get introduced into all of kyle's hectic life does kyle work do, do we really need to have kyle full-time absolutely there's no question that that brings me as for me there is simply no way that i can do everything that, that I believe that God's calling this church to do. This church needs so much more than I can offer to be able to fulfill all the things that, that go into making up our vision and bringing people to Jesus. Um, 
I, I don't do it real often, but it's not uncommon for me to slip back into the office after I get the kids to bed at night, 9, 30, 10 o'clock, so I can steal an hour or two just so that I can be where a phone's not ringing and, and I can focus. And, and um, I, you know, I love my job. I, 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 there's nobody in here. I can say this with great certainty. There is nobody in this room right now who loves what they do more than me. You, you, you can't have more passion for the job you do than I do. I just can't imagine or conceive that anybody could. Um, but I get weary oftentimes because I'm trying to do things that are just not in my gift set. That I'm, To be real honest, I'm just not very good at. Things that this guy that we're talking about, this administrative executive pastor, there are things that we would give to him that he would be really good at, that I stink at. I couldn't organize my way out of a paper bag. You, if you know me, you know that. You know that. You know how scatterbrained I am. I, I, God has gifted me to do four things. You tell me whether or not you agree with this. Maybe not, because you'll be honest, and I don't know I want to hear that. I think God has gifted me to do four things. He's gifted me to speak from the stage. He's gifted me to lead and cast vision. He's gifted me to encourage you, and he's gifted me to counsel you. You get outside that and you've really gone beyond my, my scope of expertise and you've gone really beyond my passions. Um, I, 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 I simply can't do more than that. And, and there are some days, quite honestly, I mean, I'm not going anywhere. I love this job. I want to do this for the rest of my life. But, but there are some days that I just get so frustrated because I, I don't do things well. And I see us sh- struggle as a church. And I think, you know, if we, if we had that guy, somebody that God has made to want to do those things, that's the thing. God has gifted somebody that would, enter. when I do those four things I just talked about, when I preach and counsel and encourage and cast vision and lead, that energizes me. I don't get tired from that stuff. I get pumped up by that. I'm excited about that stuff. But you ask me to organize something, oh. Ask me, to, ask me to administrate and oversee and get it organized? Oh, just, you know, just beat me. You know, you just may as well just whip me. But somebody, God has made somebody that they get energized whenever we talk like that, and they say, I want to do that. We've got to find that person. Um, just before the elders retreat, Kyle and Ryan and I went out to lunch together to talk about some of the things we were going to talk about at the elders retreat, and we had a little fun and we said what if we had six pastors and believe me i could i could name six needs for us we if we had six pastors and we're going to take all the ministries in our church and everything that's going on how would we break up the responsibilities among those six pastors one of those pastors was an administrative or an executive pastor out of the whole list of ministries we came up with we we established that there were 28 ministries that would immediately fall under the care of an executive administrative pastor 28 then we asked the question how many of those if we if we we're going to be honest need attention right now that we are either struggling or suffering as a church because these things are going unmet and because either they're busy or i'm unable or unable to do it are going unmet how many of those things need attention right now 14 of the 28 ministries that we identified need attention right now i just can't tell you strongly enough how badly we need that somebody you know says um can't we address this with volunteers if we could we would we would have already done it some of these things are are very specialized uh, this person needs to be needs to be able to preach for me in my absence this person needs to be able to uh, be a secondary face to our organization um, there's a lot of stuff that that's required of this guy and i believe i, I i'll get to this in a minute i think we found him but that's a whole nother issue 
Um, I'll, I'll give you some instructions about that in just a minute. One of the elders asked me this question when we started talking about this because it was new to him. He, he, hadn't, he hadn't really thought about it as we started talking about it. And this, I realize as I'm talking about this, you're thinking, I, that's just not making sense to me. So you're going to have to think about this for a while. But he said, how many churches our size have a person like this on staff? My answer to that is this, not very many. Because when they get this person, they don't stay this size much longer. When they get this person, a lot of things start to happen. The church begins to grow. The influence begins to grow. Now, again, let me stop just for a minute. Those of you who know me well and those of you who know our staff well, do you believe that the goal in any of this is that we grow so that we can say we're a big church? Do you think that's why we want to do this? Do you think that the goal for us is to be able to go around and say we're a big church? No. We're about bringing people to Jesus. As we do that, as we consistently do that, and we do not veer to the left or the right of that, this church, by default, is going to grow because God is going to bless that vision because that's a vision that has captured the the heart of God, we believe. An emerging, growing, relevant, leader church staffs ahead of its need. I've talked to a lot of people about this position, and when... Uh, if they've been around here for very long and especially if they know me and I say you know I could really use this person they say yeah you you really could use that person by the end of 2007 we hope to have eliminated the mortgage Uh, by the beginning of 2008 we want to have added that staff person and um, like I said I actually think that we have identified who that person is Um, the problem is I'm not sure he's willing to come here and so I've been telling our elders we have a year a little over a year about a year and a half to pray to God that God would make him so miserable where he is that he'll come here. So, and I'm not above it, and you shouldn't be either. So, so that's your prayer, okay? That's your prayer. God, just make him miserable. Do you know that's how I'm in ministry today? My youth pastor prayed, God, just make him miserable till he goes to Bible college. That is literally what happened. So, and it worked out pretty good for me. So, we're doing that for this guy. I would give you his name, but I don't think that would be prudent for me to do that. Um, pray for him. Pray for him that God will work in his heart to bring him to us because I'm telling you, oh, what a gift he would be to us. Number three, by the end of 2009, we want to add a gymnasium to our property. Not just for us, okay? We, we have a dream to reach our community through sports. Sports is a big part of the fabric of our community. We want to reach out to them that way. For our, for our own kids too, we want a place for them to play. We want a place for, that, for Ryan to be able to go and say, hey, we're going to do this game tonight. For our little kids to go in. We... This is something we could strongly utilize. Um, That building would also double as kind of a a fellowship hall. Who in here doesn't think we need a fellowship hall? Absolutely we do. And, you know, somebody say, well, we've got a gym right across the way. Why don't we just borrow that one? We tried that last week. It didn't work very well. We thought we'd done everything we needed to do to be able to use that facility. We got over there, and whoever was supposed to let us in wasn't there, and maybe they were sick. I don't know, but, but... we need a facility on site that is available to us because we can use it a lot and probably much more than we would if we were just borrowing someone else's. Number four, by, the, by sometime after 2010, can you believe we're using dates like that? 2010, a new building containing a new auditorium needs to be something that we pursue. Honestly, we need it now. I think sometimes our attendance suffers. I think we, hit, we do this, you know. I think part of that is because of the building that we're in, and I think that everybody knows we need an upgrade. We need office space. We need a place for our our ministry people to meet. I mean, we're talking about a four-staff person. If we could get him tomorrow, I don't know where we'd put him. We'll we'll figure that out when it happens. 
but we need meeting rooms, social places for, for different things. We want to have our church open to the community to come in and say, you know, you need a meeting place? Come use our church building for that. We have to plan, pray, and pay for these kind of things. When you've got vision, you have to plan, pray, and pay for it. Will it be expensive? Yes. Are, are we going to need consultants and outside help for some of this stuff? Yes. Will it be a lot of work? Yes. Brett, are you going to talk more about money? Yes. Now let me ask you a question. Do we have any choice? Do we have any choice? I don't think so. Right now, Cross Lane is a nice little church. It's a good place to come. You can come and feel warm and you can meet some people and we can sing some cool songs and give a little money and, you know, every now and then we'll see somebody come to Jesus. And it's a nice church. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just do nice church. I want to lock arms with a group of people who are willing to take a hill for God. I want to lock arms with people who understand that the hope of the world is the local church. I want to lock arms with a group of people who understand that we have a whole community of people who do not know who Jesus Christ is and what a difference he can make in their life. There are, this room is full of people who weren't Christians five years ago, who've come to a saving relationship with Jesus and understand how Jesus makes a difference in life. In the book of Revelation, God speaks to seven churches keeping uh, you might want to take notes because this might be the only time in, in, in my whole tenure here at the church that i ever preach from revelation okay because i'm just not not real comfortable doing that by the way uh just a side note it's revelation okay no s on the end of it god gave one revelation so don't ever say turn to revelations four it's revelation so it's revelation three that we're looking at today he spoke to seven churches and and he said different things to them one church he got or a couple churches he got after a couple churches he admonished and a couple churches he encouraged and he wrote these encouraging things to the church at philadelphia i want you to hear this because i believe this could be said to us i know your deeds see i have placed before you an open door that no one can shut i know that you have little strength yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name it is up to us I told you last week I was at this retreat with these elders and and they they were just having all kinds of problems they 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 the biggie was that they didn't have any vision but they really were not prepared to face the challenges that their future had in front of them we are we have unity we have great resources in this church we have generous people in this church we have leaders we have vision we have a congregation that more and more every week gets it. You're a joy to pastor. You know why? Because when I get done, you walk up to me and you say things that let me know you get this. I don't have to convince you. I don't have to talk to you very long to help you get to the place where you're ready to take a hill for Jesus. You're already ready to take those kind of hills. You have a willingness, I believe. I believe we have a willingness. I think that's why we're ready to do some of this stuff. We have a willingness to say yes to the what before we ever know the how. You and I are a part of something that the world needs desperately and depends on. This book, 
has the power to change and transform a human soul. You and I are on the most important ship on any ocean. Earlier I told you that I, I had been to this church. Remember me telling you about the church? It had great community, name in their community, and great staff, and great ministries, and great facilities. You remember that church that I said I'd been to? I go to that church all the time. It's in my mind. It's cross lane in the future. It's what God's calling us to be. It's where he's telling us we need to go. It's the kind of church we need to be about. I believe that God is waiting for some church on the north end of Terre Haute to wake up and realize that there is a a huge opportunity in front of them and that there is a community that is waiting for a church to reach out to them. Now, we've done some of that, but I think we need to do more of that. And I think that we've got to identify what our vision is and we've got to chase after it and we've got to pursue it. We need to become the kind of church, and we've been asking ourselves in elders' meetings, what effect would it have on the community of Terre Haute, the North End, if the Crossland Community Church ceased to exist? And you want to know the truth? We haven't liked the answer. We want to become an indispensable part of the fabric of the North End of Terre Haute. We want to be a church that speaks into the lives of people. We want to be people of faith. We want to be people of vision. We want to be people who are willing to ask God to do a huge thing in our midst. That's Cross Lane's future, I think. And that's the vision for our church. And I want to ask you to do this with me. Imagine a family with me. They don't go to church. Dad is, is tired when he comes home, and the only thing he's really teaching his kids is how to be selfish and how to cuss. Mom is stressed out. She worries about the future. She worries about her kids. She's got a lot on her plate. The kids come and go, and they really don't have anybody other than their parents to speak any kind of truth into their life. And, and the things that they're picking up and the way that they're going about life, it's, it's not good. Now imagine that that family walks into the church I just described for you. And they find Jesus. And their souls become transformed. And they're different people. You see, we are not a great church because we're going to grow to be 750 or 1,000 or 20,000 like I talked about earlier. That doesn't make us a great church. What's going to make us a great church is that we are a place that when people come into contact with this place, their hearts and souls fall in love with Jesus. And when that happens, their souls are transformed. That their life would change that the arc of their life would irrevocably, irrevocably be changed because of the relationship they have with Jesus because the cross Lane Community Church played a part in introducing them to Christ. It's about life change. It's about soul transformation. We believe that God is calling us to be that church on the north end. I do not hesitate to challenge each and every one of you to give your absolute best. To give your best offering, your best effort, your best ideas, and your best days to become all that God is calling us to be. I'm ready to do this. I'm, I'm, my life is committed to seeing this thing through. This is where I want to be and what I want to be about. 
Are you ready to look at God and to say, yes, I will walk through the open door that you say cannot be shut? We're going to have a great year together. It's going to be a tremendous year. 2007 is going to be a year you watch where God is going to work among us. And we're going to look at the end of the year and we're going to say, man, God, you showed up. He's placed before us a door that no one can shut. You want to walk through it with me? Let's pray together. Father, as a church leader, it is a frightening thing for me to stand in front of you and to hear the vision that you call us to. Because I'm just human and very fallen and very prone to want to do things in my own power and in the power of the people around me. And yet where there is a God-given vision, I know there's got to be more than that. I know that you've got to show up and I've got to trust you. That is so hard sometimes. It should be easy. Trusting you should be very, very easy because you've proven yourself time and time again. But because we're fallen and because we're selfish and because we're sinful, we think that it's all got to happen on our time and, and in our power. I pray, Lord, that today we, we're over that. And I pray that collectively as we walk out of here, even though the vision is huge and it could cost us at, at the end of the time, it's, we're talking about probably millions of dollars, dollars that I don't know where they're going to come from. I know you're loaded. So, Father, help us to lean into your breast this morning. Help us to draw strength from who you are, not who we are. Help us to not shrink back. Help us to lock arms and to take the hill together. Lord, the local church really is the hope of the world. We in this room believe that. We ask your blessing on the vision that we cast this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray.